I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu. Joining me on the podcast this week is one of the podcast favorites, Brad Vermutt, um, a.k.a. Too Much Hoops from Twitter and uh, YouTube, one of the brightest and most insightful um, commentators uh, for the Raptors. Um, Brad, my first question is, how difficult is it right now to make Raptors YouTube content? It's a little tricky, yeah, <laughs> unless you want to go down the a very hate-filled rabbit hole. Uh-huh. Yeah, tank, <laughs> but, tank for Cade Cunningham. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not quite there yet. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm The first five games were pretty rough, and the last couple are giving me some more hope. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's definitely nice to see you know, see Occam turn it around a little bit these last couple games. And uh, and I think they'll get there. There's definitely some some growing pains at the moment, though. Absolutely. Raptors, one and six. This is unfamiliar territory. Losing close games. Um, let's start with the positives. And I think Pascal has been um, up and down this season for sure. I mean, he got suspended, which is uh, still a little bit strange to, uh, to, to process. But as you mentioned, Pascal, the last two games has been you know, pretty good. Um, definitely against the Suns was very, very good. And against the Celtics was very good. You broke down, uh, you know, very, very, every single detail, like literally every single touch. You you, wrote, you made a video about this where you looked at the Celtics game where you had 22 points and you broke down every single touch and you looked at Pascal with incredible detail. So let's start with like, what has Pascal done well so far, I guess in that game and I guess also against the Suns? So in that game, one of the things that I thought Pascal did really well was, first of all, getting to the free throw line. He got to the free throw line seven times in that game. In three of the four games before that, he'd he'd gotten there a maximum of twice. Uh, So that was really good. And the other thing that Siakam or, or any first option that it's important for them to do is to make the defense react. And that was something he did really well. And... The Celtics reacted very well. I mean, they're a good team. They're a good defense. They're they're one of the probably top five teams this year. But I think um, one of the things that he's gotten a little bit better at is letting the defense sort of load up to him and then passing out of a double team or swinging the ball at the right moment to uh, try and create open shots for other guys. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's it's really funny because if you look at I think one of the worst games that Pascal has played this season is probably the Philly game. Not necessarily because he fouled out or anything like that, or the fact that he committed five fouls in the last seven minutes, whatever, and walked off the bench and left before the game was over. Um, just the process in which how he played that game as a number one option of him. He took a lot of jumpers that game, which, you know, the Sixers obviously are really, really good defensively. Uh, ben Simmons is very very tough on ball and of course you have Embiid waiting for you or even Dwight Howard waiting for you so it's just not going to be pleasant for you if you try to go to the rim all the time having said that he took a bunch of jumpers and zero free throw attempts zero assists in that game that was just kind of unsustainable and really unacceptable as a number one option you're just not gonna win a lot like that whereas I think with this uh, you know in the Celtics and then the Suns games um 
you know, he was definitely making just going to the rim a much bigger priority, like seven free throw attempts against the Celtics, 14 against the Suns. Um, so, I mean, I guess this is a this is maybe too simplistic of a question, but like, why? Why is it sometimes that he, he plays so much on the perimeter and why does he sometimes choose to play more in the post? I think a big part of it is uh, who he is going up against on the other team. Like, as you mentioned, against Philadelphia, Ben Simmons is huge. Uh, Joel Embiid is huge. And, and trying to beat both of those guys is a difficult task. And even with the Pelicans the games he's played against them, it's like they have a lot of length on that team. And they also have Steven Adams on the back line of the defense, which is tough because he's a big, strong guy. And and if the Raptors aren't getting out and running and then they get into the half court and there are big guys at the rim, it, it's a little bit tougher for him. He's always struggled against much larger players. Um, and and it's just sort of a, a carryover of that. And And one of the things that changed in the Boston game is the Raptors got him switched on to smaller players a little bit more and then attacked those switches and then forced double teams and then he was able to pass out of it. And then against Phoenix, uh, it, it he was just, I mean, he looked like a different player in that game, really. Like his, his handle was a lot better than any other game this season. And, and they don't really have like a big defender like uh, Jason Tatum or Ben Simmons who can sort of match Siakam's size, like even, even Mikhail Bridges, he's not quite as, uh, as strong as those guys. So Siakam just kind of had his way with them. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think the point about the switches is, is very, very well. I mean, firstly against the Celtics, the Celtics do generally switch a little bit more than other teams. I think the Suns probably do it as well. They, they have a lot of like size defenders, but, um, I think that the purpose in terms of just like the offense, intentionally running plays or at least starting off as you know plays where they're running a pick and roll with Siakam screening for Fred or whoever or Kyle and, and you know those guards making a purposeful move to create a switch and then to then get Siakam going I think that makes a lot of sense right like that that's just something that um you know I don't think Siakam is at the skill level right now where you run you basically just give him the ball and let him decide like it's not like LeBron yeah, he's um, not going to be like a James Harden type of scorer where it's yeah. just like we need you to get some <laughs> against yeah, anybody. But, so I, I think I think you know the team. I mean, obviously Pascal's been on the team uh, for four four plus years now, but um, you know I think the team making better decisions to to help him with the ball is I think is a little bit better. But um, I, I also really I think the last two games it, it seems like his energy has been a little bit better. Um, and I think that's a little bit harder to quantify in, in stats, but when you watch the games themselves against Phoenix, I mean, he was like a nonstop motor from uh, the start of the game to the end of the game. And I think just some of that, like, you know, him using his quickness to get to the basket, sometimes Pascal will get into the post and he'll get, has a habit of dribbling a lot. And, uh, I think against the Suns, he really just made a lot of really quick moves. Just like, I know you can't guard me. I'm going to make a move, uh, you know? DeAndre Aiden's going to step up. I'm going to Euro step right around you and go straight to the basket. There wasn't any of the, you know, uh, 13 second back down with a turnaround <laughs> jumper, which honestly, that's not his game at the moment. I know he's working on that, but that's not his game. What is that yeah, kind of what you saw too? Yeah. The turnaround jumpers have been a little bit, uh, a little bit rough. And, but the other thing that he did really well in the Phoenix game was I felt like he was going to his left hand much mm. more effectively. And that was something that I thought was really missing, especially through the first four games of the season 
was he like every time he went to his left hand, it was like one of those super fast gliding layups where he's trying to like reach around a guy from eight feet away from the rim. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and against the Suns, he, he got, he just, he got closer to the rim and then he was using both hands to finish. And he also was passing out of, out of the post better than he did against, uh, better than he did against Boston as well. Um, so there, yeah, it's just like a number of factors that, that, uh, have made him look a lot better. And as you mentioned, his motor was definitely one of them as well. Yeah. Um, on the topic of passing, what do you think Pascal's passing is, at least so far this season? It, it looked really promising the first two games. He had 14 assists, uh, six in the uh, season opener, and then eight against uh, the Spurs' second game. Um, a whole bunch of those were to three-pointers. A whole bunch of those were to guys in the dunker spot. Um, I, I, I think you, his... Sorry. No, I was, I was just going to ask, like, what, do you, what do you think the passing is at, at the moment? I, I think his passing looks better than last season. I think part of the problem is a lot of the guys that he's passing to are having pretty terrible seasons. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, bench players specifically. Um, and, and so that makes it a little bit tricky. But in general, I've thought his passing is pretty good. I noticed uh, this season, he seems to be doing a very good job passing when he's stationary and has time to read the defense and a little bit less impressive passing when he's on the move finding guys who are open in the corner or whatever um and that is just sort of i mean that's just that's a development thing that's you know that's a tough skill to develop um and i I expect him to get better but mostly i've been pretty impressed with his passing this year um even though he's not racking up assists these last four games he's looked pretty good and he's setting guys up and he's creating easy looks for other guys yeah, I think so too. It, it passes the eye test, I think, more than um, the numbers bear out at the moment. Um, and I, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, some of these guys that he's passing the ball to. I mean, um, you know, last year, for example, if he drove and the and the center stepped up, then he has surge kind of just waiting in the, either in the dunker spot or maybe trailing the play or anything like that. <laughs> and you can give it to surge and he'll score, or he can kick out to Mark. And you know, Mark may he may or may not shoot the three, probably won't, but he'll swing the ball and. Good things will keep happening on offense. At the moment, he's uh, it's 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 tough. Um, if you actually just look at the numbers of like how people are shooting off passes from Pascal, um, Norman Powell, for example, shooting two of twelve off passes from Pascal, and I know a lot of those are good passes too. Yeah, yeah, it's not like he's like throwing terrible passes that are like yeah. out of a guy's shooting pocket. It just is like. Yeah. Guys are not hitting shots on like OG had a couple games where he just could not hit a three at all. And yeah, Pascal a, was setting him up for some open corner threes and just couldn't couldn't hit him. Yeah. I mean two of eight for OG from three off passes from Prescal. Um, you know. So I mean, oddly enough, Kyle was 0 for ten off passes from Pascal, which is super weird. Baines, surprisingly, is four or five off passes from Pascal. Um, but also the fact that they they're in the starting lineup together, and he's only taken five shots off passes from Pascal probably indicates another problem, which I do think that maybe this is, I don't know, it, it feels weird to focus so much on one thing because it feels like a lot of problems tie back into the thing. But when you watch the, the film and stuff like that, it does seem like the Raptors' new center rotation, maybe outside of um, maybe outside of Chris, those guys are almost always clogging the lane. Uh, what I mean, how much do you think that, you know, the Baines Siakam pairing has not really worked. I don't really think I've seen much Len of Pascal together, but how do you think the centers are contributing to any struggles that Pascal might be having? 
Yeah, it's definitely a, a tough setup for him when you've got Alex Len and Aaron Baines, who, as you mentioned, are more in the dunker spot along the baseline, whereas Ibaka and Gasol would usually be often not even along the baseline. They'd be up at the three-point line at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I mean, when Aaron Baines is like 15 feet away from the basket, his man can totally ignore him and and help in the paint, clog the lane. And then it, it basically has the effect of shutting off one side of the floor for Siakam, and he's okay. not able to go that way towards the help. So then his defender can can really load up to the other side and uh, and every shot just becomes that much harder. So I would say that is definitely uh, contributing to his early season woes. And uh, I, I'm I was surprised when I was looking up uh, lineup numbers that the lineup uh, that closed the uh, Boston series has only seen 11 minutes so far this season, and the majority of those came in the most recent game against the Suns. And and I mean a big reason for that is because. Norm sucked in the first five games, pretty much. Well, and, and, uh, and Pascal got suspended, and he fouled out twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that too. But, um, but yeah, just it it hasn't been a high usage lineup, um, and I think that is something that will change as we go along. And I and I'm hoping that that opens up more room for everybody to create. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one thing that is encouraging is that Siakam and Boucher. I think the two of them have worked well together. And to your point, it's not like Boucher is doing anything spectacular. Um, although he is way more talented offensively than Baines and Len, is just that, you know, for example, if they run pick and roll, um, generally speaking, they're going to go under on Boucher. They're going to send a second defender at least to discourage the drive from Pascal. And Pascal's just done a simple thing, which is just kick it out to the perimeter. And, yeah. you know, and then Boucher's made those shots. Like, it's it's not that hard necessarily. I mean, theoretically, that's what they should have been doing with Baines, but Baines hasn't hit any threes basically, which really, really yeah. complicates things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Boucher's ha- he's done a pretty good job of catching it on the roll and traffic and stuff too. And getting yeah. to the free throw line, he's had a bunch of games where, where he shot several free throws and, uh, and that helps a lot too. Um, okay. I think so. There's been a lot of focus on Pascal's offense. Um, how do you think his defense has been? Because, you know, he has fouled out twice. Um, and there are times where it does look like he's scrambling a little bit too much. I mean, obviously, that's a huge part of his defensive value is that he's so long and athletic. And he's so active that he can be in multiple places at once. But, you know, sometimes, you know, the Suns, for example, like there's a lot of like pump faking and driving because that's largely what the Suns do. They have shooters everywhere um, outside of Aiden and they just pump fake, drive, pump fake, drive, pass. And they, they move the ball beautifully, actually. In retrospect, the Suns played a really nice game. But, um, yeah, how do you think Pascal's done defensively? I think he's been pretty good defensively. I I think, like you mentioned, there have been some games where it, it looks like he's doing too much or times where he's a little bit disinterested, maybe. Like, it just, mm-hmm. I, I feel like sometimes when he is having a bad game, he he just gets a little bit, I don't know, disconnected from from what's happening on the court sometimes. Um, and I don't think it's a huge problem or anything, but it it seems like that happens on some possessions. And then the other thing that's happening with the Raptors defense is as we've talked about already, the center lineup is not that great. Boucher has been pretty good defensively, but last year 
like one of the things that really works in the Raptors super rotation heavy style of defense last year was that anytime somebody was driving to the rim, it was Mark Gasol rotating over to cut them off at the exact perfect time while also Mm -hmm. denying a pass to his man. And this season that's Aaron Baines, who's a step later has worse anticipation and worse hands. And uh, it's resulting in some easy baskets that I I'm not quite sure how to fix with the Raptors current scheme. They, they play so aggressively on the perimeter to force guys to drive inside the perimeter, sort of welcoming getting into rotation rather than focusing on containment. Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm just not sure how effective that scheme is going to be with the Raptors current personnel. Like, I don't, I don't think it is really going to be a top three defense like it was last year because they took one of the best defenders off the floor in Marcus Gasol, and then they took, you know, another top five or six defender off the floor in Serge Ibaka and replaced them with guys who are just big. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been tough watching Baines because I think he does have a good defense reputation. Um, I, I think that can't necessarily be taken away from him. Honestly, sometimes he does do a decent job. But, you know, it's the same thing with Gasol in that he can't jump at all. Um, yeah. They both have the same 8-inch vertical, but then also Baines is just smaller. Uh, and then, so when you can't jump, then I think that like, I think Baines is probably like a 6'10 and Gasol's like a legit 7 feet. It does make a big difference. I don't know. It just, it feels like a big difference. It felt, it felt like guys will try to shoot and it seemed like a layup against Gasol, but then they will miss. Whereas against Baines, they're just making it over him. Um, do you think the Raptors should change their defense a little bit to accommodate the the scheme or like the personnel or, or I'm, or, I, I'm okay know. with giving it a little bit longer because mm-hmm. I think that the Raptors scheme is fairly unique in the NBA. Uh, there aren't a lot of teams that play that uh, rotation-heavy style. Um, so I think there is a, a big learning curve that's associated with it. And I think that's part of what we're seeing with like late rotations from new guys or more marginal rotation guys. Um, and and so maybe, you know, maybe something clicks after 15 games and they're able to step it up. But I think it also at times would would be a good idea to think like, Okay, what what can we do more more conservatively here so that we're we're not getting killed quite as much uh, with with some of these advantages? Yeah, right now I think two biggest areas of weakness for the Raptors' defense is defensive rebounding. Um, they were better against the Suns, although the Suns aren't really a team that's going to crash the glass too much. They're just a little bit small themselves. Um, and then foul rate. The Raptors are bottom five, I believe, in both defensive rebounding and fouling. And listen, you you can get stops, but um, you're just never going to have a great defense if you're fouling people a lot and also not grabbing rebounds. So, yeah, that's a tough combo. And <laughs> and and part of it is like we are playing two six foot nothing point guards, and we played them last year too. But mm-hmm. that that limits your rebounding effectiveness. <laughs> and then yeah. when you have like Norman Powell and Terrence Davis making bonehead plays all the time, oh my, goodness. that's that's where fouls come from. So it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, it, it, I think part of the early season is like getting a reality check about the ceiling of this team and, and maybe they have four good players 
and whatever norm is going to be. And, and then like another rotation guy who's inconsistent in Chris Boucher and maybe not much else. <laughs> so yeah. that's, I mean, you took away two, two starting caliber players and replaced them with guys who so far look like if they weren't in the rotation, it might make the team better. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little tough. I mean, I actually, I, I forgot where I read this, but it, it did feel like if the Raptors were stealthily tanking, which I didn't think they were, by the way, I didn't think the, this was like by design, but um, if you were to stealthily tank without having to blow up your team, if you just like made one position so bad that it, <laughs> that it made it impossible <laughs> to win, but then you still kept good players on the other parts of your roster. And then if you maybe address that one part, you can maybe fix the tank shorter than you would normally, you know, like a tank, for example, takes usually like three, four years. Um, if you're going to do a short tank, then yeah, you could just make one position so bad, which at the moment, Baines, I mean, Baines is playing a lot worse than what he was last season. Yeah. Um, I, like I expect you know. him to return to at least passable on the floor. Yeah. Like, like not getting benched for the second half, hopefully. <laughs> Of too many games. Yeah, so far, guys getting called out by Nick Nurse have not responded. Uh, guys getting uh, suspended, like Pascal, uh, did not respond to that. Um, Aaron Baines getting benched against the, the Celtics comes back with another zero-point effort. So <laughs> it's it's a little bit tough right now. But, I mean, the center position is just it's just tough overall. I mean, what do you think about getting Boucher into the starting lineup? Because at least merits trying, even though I think that you're bringing exactly zero <laughs> good players off the bench. Yeah, I think I think Boucher in the starting lineup is a lot more attractive if like Norm is coming off the bench and giving you good minutes every night and Matt Thomas is coming off the bench and playing well. And I know people want to see him get more minutes and to see Malachi get more minutes, but like they have not really looked good in the minutes that they've been on the floor. Like mm -hmm. they've maybe made, had some okay plays here or there, but I didn't find Malachi's play particularly surprising, however limited it was, or particularly inspiring. I mean, yeah. um, he he, you know, he he excelled in the preseason against the Hornets' preseason defense and Lamelo Ball, but maybe that is not a realistic indicator of how the early regular season against like you know the Sixers' defense is going to go. Mm. Um, so, uh, I, I yeah, I just think there's there are different lineups that could be a little bit more um, attractive if, if more bench players were playing well, <laughs> like it's, it's that simple, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel bad for Nick nurse. I already made this analogy, but if you're playing five card poker, Nick nurse is discarding all five cards and just hoping that he's going to pick up like <laughs> anything decent, like a pair or something. Cause right now he's got like nothing. Um, yeah. It, it's looking really tough. Um, I, I think honestly, it, it, look, if you can make your starting five a little bit stronger, I would do it. Um, try, I think we, it's, it merits trying. I think it's not going to be a perfect solution in terms of it's not – you're still going to give up, I think, rebounding, um, probably a little bit more fouling. But at, at least at least with Chris, you offer a lot more offensively than you would with, um, with, with like, Baines or Len, which I, I'm still looking for a nickname. If you guys have a nickname for those two centers, please send it to me. I think right now I have double A – um which is just not that great but it, it, something to i feel like because it, it deserves like a tj calder ford type of nickname for for the two of them um but with chris he at least has like offensive chemistry with i think he's paired well with fred 
He's always paired well with Kyle. Um, and even Pascal has chemistry with him. So if you have chemistry yeah. with your top three players, I don't know, man. I, try to start him. That, it can't, it, you know, it, it merits trying. Yeah, I, de- I definitely would be interested to see it. And even I felt uh, Chris Boucher's defense this season, he seems to be a lot more disciplined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen him biting on pump fakes quite as much. And, uh, you know, he's had some nice closeouts where he's under control, containing guys, just helping, just putting a hand up instead of jumping and trying to block shots. And, uh, I mean, that's something we've been asking to see from him for the last couple of years. So it's nice to see him put it into action. So, I, I mean, really, it can't hurt to have him in the starting lineup. The the he He's not going to be the problem. It's, it's sort of the other role players. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, it's looking tough. That bench, that bench is bad. Um, you know, speaking of the bench, Norm, you just made a video about Norm and why you believe Norm can turn it around. Um, I mean, look, I, I believe Norm can turn it around as well. I think, um, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, uh, he has been uh, pretty bad at the moment. Um, he's shooting 30.5% from the field. Uh, from two-point range, it's 24%. Um, just to put that into perspective, last season, Norm shot 57% from two-point range. Uh, so he's shooting less than half of what he shot last year from two. Um, <laughs> what's going on with Norm? I think you know you pointed out that we, we've been talking so much uh, about the bench being bad. Norm coming off the bench and almost always playing with bench players has to hurt. Yeah, that's tough. So one of the one of the big stats um, that I was surprised by looking at some lineups that Norm has played in is he's played almost two thirds of his minutes with one or two only of the Raptors top four guys. So Lowry, OG, Siakam, Van Vliet, those guys uh, are those are the top four players. And Norm is only playing with one or two of them for two thirds of the time that he's on the floor. So that, I mean, that means a lot of lineups with like Alex Len and Stanley Johnson or, you know, Matt Thomas and, and Aaron Baines and like tr- where Nurse is just like trying to figure out anybody who can give him anything. And, uh, and I think that is a difficult position to be putting Norm in, especially when he is struggling. Um, and I mean, that's, that's sort of the job is you need, you need Norm to just go on the floor and whatever else is happening, score. <laughs> that's that's his whole thing. That's why he's on the team. That's why he gets his, his contract, essentially. Um, but the thing that has changed this year is usually it would be one or two of those top four guys, and then one of the other people is also Serge Ibaka or Marc Gasol. So that opens up the floor in a, in a completely different way than having you know Alex Len or, or Chris Boucher even. Um, so that's a big thing. And the other thing is like, so with the dynamics of the floor changing with the Raptors going to some, some lower grade centers, I think there is a, a learning curve associated with that Mm -hmm. because you're just not going to be able to get the same sorts of shots that you could when, when Ibaka and Gasol were on, on the court, like Norm's not back cutting and getting a beautiful Gasol pass from the top of the arc. Um, so he he needs to sort of learn relearn where his shots are going to be coming from on a night to night basis and we've seen in previous years that maybe Norm's learning curve is a little bit slower than we would like it to be 
but he did eventually figure it out and and get back to a place where he was making reasonably solid decisions uh last season and and even in the 2018-19 season he wasn't terrible he was he was pretty inconsistent but uh but he was still a quality player and i expect him to return to at least a baseline of that 2018-19 season um but it just might take a little while to get there i i, I think uh i i don't think he's going to be as bad as we've seen him so far yeah, I don't think so. Too. I mean, it's it's unsustainable how bad he is at the moment. Um, yeah, for for two point percentage, his his worst season that he ever played, which was his rookie se- season, he shot forty three percent, which is like twenty percent better than he's shooting right now. So uh, uh, there, that's not going to stay. He he can always just stop taking the shots he's currently taking and change his shot profile if he needs to. Yeah, and when you watch him with the bench too, it he does four shots. Like, he's taken a number of questionable shots. Um, yeah. Especially, like, when he doesn't get all the way to the rim, that's when he gets into trouble. Because if he yeah, gets or, to the rim, generally he's okay. Like, he's pretty athletic. He has, like, he has some skilled finishes. Uh, and, you know, but if he doesn't get to the rim, then he sometimes, instead of kicking it out, has just taken these, like, weird little flip shots. Which, for the life of me, I don't understand. Like, have you seen guys come up to pick and roll? With the with the defender uh, tracking him over the top, the big up in the pick and roll, and for a guy to just shoot a flicking, uh, one handed running floater from the free throw line with like twelve seconds off of the shot clock, like that that can't be the number one option you had for that that possession. You yeah, yeah. So, some of those have been a little a little frustrating, um, and and hopefully, I mean, they, I mean, yeah, just hopefully he he changes his shot profile a little bit and. And just makes better decisions. I, I mean, there's not there's not much other than that. It's like, yeah, that's an insane shot to take. Or when mm-hmm. you get the ball on the fast break, and like you, the defense is already back. Mm-hmm. There's like three guys between you and the basket. Just pull it out. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you, we don't need you to to like dunk through two guys to to uh, to like spark the team or whatever. We can just have like a solid possession, but. But, you know, he's he's forcing the offense, I think, in part because of some of those lineups that he's on. It's like, OK, like I come off this screen and roll like there's Stanley Johnson in the corner and there's like Yuta Watanabe at the opposite elbow. And and maybe he just feels like he, he needs to take those shots um, and he does need to take shots with those bench units, but maybe not those ones. Yeah, um, I've actually, <laughs> I'm looking at um, the Raptors um, basketball reference page and under the advanced box scores, you can see everyone's numbers put together on the team. Um, Norm's true shooting, 46%. Uh, his total rebounding rate is 3.3%, which means he is grabbing 3.3% of the available rebounds on the floor. That is by far the lowest on the team. 46 uh sorry 0.7 assist percentage which again is also absurdly low for someone who actually has the ball uh this man's season high in assists is one. <laughs> oh. oh man that's uh I, again i mean you know he is playing with the bench but damn that is that's tough and i wonder what that one assist is it probably is just like a swing the ball and the cow pulled up or something yeah or like a just a dump off like one time to chris boucher <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it, it's it's been tough. But, I, you know, Norm can't possibly be this bad all season. I think a lot of things are contributing to it. Um, it it's just it's just a tough time. So I, I think I kind of wanted to end the, the podcast by talking about 
what it's like to make content at this moment. Um, can I offer you one suggestion? Yeah, go for you, it. You're, you're really great with the videos and, and analysis. And I would love to hear what you thought of some of these plays that have happened. So one thing that I've noticed about this team uh, as compared to last year and the year before is the amount of low, um, I want to say low IQ, like um, just bad judgment plays that have happened. Um, and I wanted to point out a few of them. Um, there was that play against the Sixers where Nolan Powell, there was the, the Raptors doubled the post against Embiid. Embiid threw a bad pass out. No one touched it on the Raptors, so it was going to be over and back. And it was late shot clock too. And then Norm decides to run the length of the floor and basically pick up the ball and then fall out of bounds to essentially give the Sixers a fresh shot clock, which they then scored on. Um, with that play, there's the play with Terrence Davis where the Raptors were making that fake comeback against the the, the Celtics. It was a 10-point game with two minutes left. They had to get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown back into the game. And all of a sudden, Terrence Davis gives up a pump fake or bites on the pump fake against Peyton Pritchard. Then after biting like on the pump 28 fake, feet. why did he reach around him and then tap Pritchard on the shoulder? I've never seen defense where you just like try to do the uh, tap on the shoulder and then fake the other way like you're in like you're in uh, public school. Um, there's just been a lot of plays so far that have been head scratching. So may- my suggestion is just like whatever Shaq and a fool is like, please make Shaq and a fool for this Raptors <laughs> team. I feel like it'd be pretty great. Cause there are just inexplicable plays that are, uh, that are taking place on a regular basis. Yeah. That one where Norm chased the ball into the backcourt was particularly hilarious because like he, ha- he had to run so far and the ball wasn't going that fast. Like he had like five, seconds to think about what he was going to do when he got the yes. ball <laughs> and, and he still made the play like that that to me was like when a dog just like sees a squirrel and takes off after it like he just saw the ball and was like i'm gonna get the ball and and i'm i'm just gonna outrun this dude and he successfully did it and then he was like now what do i do that's what and I'm it was and it was <laughs> throw it out of bounds if he if he was gonna pick up the ball and try to go for a layup that's fine but the ball was on the baseline and the in defender the in the corner. So even if you did pick it up and somehow stop all your momentum from sprinting, you still have to beat your man who was right in perfect position. And nobody else was trailing the play because everyone was like, yo, that's our ball. You just yeah. let the ball roll out. <laughs> so nobody came with them on the fast break. So what was Norm thinking? I don't what was Norm thinking? I think that 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 is that's <laughs> that's a weekly segment that you could that you could do with this team. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, yeah, but seriously, what it's like? What's what, what's it like making content? I mean, we're not getting. Um, we got one breakdown video of the Knicks game, which was which was good. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, I mean, p- part of it is not having a, a ton of time because I also do have like a real life job. Um, right. But uh, part of it too is like there's not a ton of excitement about a game where you just like don't play very well and and the defense is porous. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've sort of been, been focusing on individual players who have good games or, or what they could improve on and stuff like that. Um, it's a little bit tricky and I'll, and I'll probably start doing some non-Raptor stuff too. I think, uh, here and there a little more. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it hasn't been quite as, quite as exciting as last season, mm. but I, I'm quite happy with the, like uh, that Siakam video I, I think was, was very interesting to people because. I, as you mentioned, I, I went through literally every time he touched the ball for the whole game and just talked about, you know, where the Raptors uh, can improve and where he can make different decisions. And 
and sort of looking in more detail about how the Celtics were loading up to the defense and the right move. We're sorry, we're loading up the defense to him and he's making the right move to be passive and, and swing the ball and get somebody else an open three. Um, just sometimes those, those plays aren't working. Yeah. And I love that you made it because I, I do feel like so, a lot of people have kind of made their minds up about a lot of players, which is, I guess, normal. I think that's like how humans operate is through heuristics and things like that. You're not going to think deeply on every single game unless you're really paid to, or, you know, uh, like really love it. But, you know, I, like I saw, for example, someone on the, against the Suns, Siakam was like objectively great against the Suns after the first or second quarter, someone was like, uh, Pascal, another terrible game for Pascal. And I'm like, what? Yeah, after he has like 14 points in the first quarter or whatever. Yeah, I'm just like, what What? What do people want? And so I think that's why when you break down in such detail, when you have like every single possession, even meaningless possessions where he starts to play on the elbow and just kicks it out. And then there's a pick and roll between two other people and he's just spacing. Um, I think when you break down on that level, it, it does lend a lot of context to what he's doing. And also it helped that Pascal had a great game the night afterwards. So, you know, definitely keep doing what you're doing. I, you know, I will definitely be savoring every one of the, um, <laughs> the breakdowns this year. I'm looking forward to when the Raptors hopefully beat Sacramento. Maybe uh, you show us how they lock down Tyrese Halliburton. The the rookie phenom. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's tough. Uh, let me let, before you go. Let me just uh, let me just quickly get your top three bench players at the moment. I feel like this is an, oh, a, a fun a fun exercise. So, um, well, thank God Chris Boucher is not starting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay, one, yeah. that's one down. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Definitely the undisputed uh, number one bench option right now is Chris Boucher. Yeah. All right. Let me pull up the roster here. This is <laughs> it's not coming to me off the dome. Mm. Uh oh man. I know. I know. This is what Nick Nurse feels. This is what Nick Nurse feels. Like, this. Is, what do you think the pregame coaches meeting is like? They're like, all right, so I got this suggestion. We're in the hole right now. This is what we need to do. We need to play Alex Lenmore. <laughs> it's just it's just tough. Yeah, I mean, I would, okay, so after Chris Boucher, damn, number two might be Norm. That's, like, he's, he's had two games where he wasn't a trash factory, basically, I feel like. That, and that, and is that true. makes you number two. That is true. <laughs> Because none of the other guys have even had two good games. Yeah. And then, oh, like maybe Utah? I know. I know. Utah's third for me too. And not just because we're both Asian, but um, because he actually has been. Honestly, Stan, it's it's between Stanley and Utah. When... Yeah. I, I mean, I mean I, I, and to be honest, I've been somewhat impressed with Utah. Like they're not asking him to do much, but what they're asking him to do. He's doing it pretty effectively. He's not getting like destroyed by guys defensively. He's hit a couple shots. He's he's not making like super bonehead fouls or anything. So yeah, I think that probably gets you number three on my list right now. And Stanley Johnson. Yeah. I'm not sure about the Stanley experience. <laughs> like it really is an experience. He, he He's pretty good defensively. He, he is, he's he not, is. He's not elite defensively. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like putting OG in the game, but he has yeah. no offense. It's like putting a, a, you know, a watered down OG in the game and he doesn't have any offense. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, the, if Stanley is on the floor, like okay, the big problem is 
all the bench players are bad, basically, as we're discovering through this. And if you had Stanley as the only non-offensive player on the floor, I probably would feel better about it than when mm-hmm. he is sharing the floor with Alex Len or Aaron Baines or whoever. And, yeah. and, or even like when he's on the floor with Terrence Davis and Terrence Davis sucks, now you notice Stanley Johnson sucking more because not just nothing is happening offensively. Yeah, well, um, I thought Nick said it best when he said about some of the guys. He's like Alex Len and Utah. You know, they they hustle, they rebound out there. If they score, it's a bonus. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> those are two guys that are in your rotation right now. Who, if they score anything, it's a bonus. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I miss Pat McCaw. I think Pat McCaw slander officially has to stop because yeah. if Pat if Pat was healthy, he'd absolutely be in the in the rotation For and sure. deservedly and so. Him. I would welcome it. I'm dying for for Pat McCaw. Um, I'm surprised Bembry hasn't got a little bit more run. It feels like he's got some McCaw-ish kind of elements to his game. Yeah, but... I thought he'd be at the three sometimes, but I haven't really seen it. Yeah, it's a it, it's a it's, it's a tough state of affairs. So, but Brad, we appreciate you on behalf of all of Raptors fans. We appreciate you. Watch all of Brad's content; it's excellent. Um, when he when he makes non Raptors content, make sure you watch that too because it's going to be insightful and probably a little bit less sad. And <laughs> yeah, Brad, thanks for coming on, man. So oh, appreciate thanks. it. What do you want to yeah, plug check me like out, uh, Yeah. Check me out on Twitter to underscore much underscore hoops. Uh, my YouTube channel is my main thing. YouTube.com slash too much hoops. And I also have a Patreon as well, where you can get a little bit of exclusive content there or get early access to my videos. Like the one I did about Norm today. Um, that's at patreon.com slash too much hoops. There you go. Yeah, you get to see Brad's a lovely Christmas sweater. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And uh yeah, the Raptors play the Kings later on tonight. I'm gonna call that a win. I've been I've been just predicting wins. Uh, I, I actually have no analysis of the games preview wise. I'm just gonna say they're all wins and, and, and be disappointed. Listen, but, it's got it's gotta be eventually. You gotta beat the Kings. I know the Kings are four and four, and that's three more wins than the Raptors have. But you gotta beat the Kings, man. I mean, what are you doing if you're not beating the Kings? That's that's all I'm trying to say. So, <laughs> please beat the Kings. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.